What we do here is go back, 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 back. It does no service to creating value for people where I came from if I won't say where I came from. And so nobody thought any thought this movie was going to work, and it did. One of my greatest struggles as a journalist is that I'm an emotional person and I'm a sensitive person. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. 10,000 No's is built on the premise that hearing stories of struggle from people who most of us would consider to be successful is a way for the rest of us to realize that we're not alone. If you've already subscribed on iTunes and you like what you hear, please share it with others. You can take a screenshot of your phone while you're listening, post it on your social media, tag at Maddie Dell on Instagram or at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook, email it to friends, or just let people know it exists and how you found it. If you can leave an iTunes review, even better. That really helps. Either way, I appreciate you listening, and I hope you're as inspired by my guests as I am. What I learned from golf most of the time is that I got more yeses, in quotes, when when I stuck to what I believed in. Welcome to episode 21. I sat down with my good friend, golf pro, Ollie Dunn. It's a little more casual than the average interview because we know each other so well, but we touched on more than just his expertise in golf. We got into parenting, the state of youth sports these days compared to when we grew up. Ollie shares some honest and vulnerable stories from his experiences playing on the Canadian tour prior to making his decision to be a teaching pro at a local Los Angeles golf club. And we riff about our Sunday morning dad's surf club, which is amazing, and uh, toss in a few movie quotes while we're at it. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm here with uh, Ollie Dunn, golf professional, and uh, also one of my very good friends. And uh, we're kind of laughing that this is, uh, what are we going to talk about here? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what we're going to talk about. We're in this beautiful studio, though. Oh, yeah. Recently built studio. It's being christened by, uh, you may know him as, uh, on Instagram as at OBD1212Golf. He's got a huge campaign there. (laughs) (laughs) I got a big following. It's, uh, yeah, I've been uh, been accused of having a bad handle, so we're we're working on that. Someone else wants him to be at Ollie Dunn Golf Academy. He thinks it sounds too official. Yeah. But um, we've been laughing about this because we've been, we've been talking about having Ollie come on the show, as it were. And uh, this morning, uh, our, our sons are best friends. And this morning I said uh, to my son, you know, my guest's uh, son wants to come hang with you. He goes, oh, no, Dad, because we're doing this uh, in my home studio, if you will, recently built. And he goes, oh, no. And I go, my guest son, do you know who that is? And he goes, wait, you're interviewing Ollie? What does he do? Because for when you're a dad, your kids think that you don't do anything. (laughs) Like he's a golf pro, for God's sake. You know how many people can't play golf? This guy is, what do you, what's your, uh, what's your handicap? My handicap is plus two at the moment. Plus two. But I've played about three rounds of golf in the last two months. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, as you know. How many, how many, you're, you're doing a bunch of lessons. So you're spending all of your time pretty much teaching. Well, I, I love golf and I love playing golf, 
and I love teaching golf, but you know, they're just, I don't know. It ebbs and flows. Right. So like I I'll be really into playing a lot and, uh, but it's a big time commitment. You know, it's at least four hours, five hours. And I pretty much always play at Mountain Gate where I teach in West LA. <laughs> um, and, you know, there comes a time where you're just kind of sick of being at work. Yeah. So even if I'm playing golf, it's it's kind of like, well, do I want to go up there on my day off? Do I want to go up there at 6 a.m. and play before I'm teaching? And a lot of times the answer is yes. But uh, I don't know. Something happened in August. I went on this great trip to Bandon Dunes that I've gone on uh, two years in a row. And when I came back, I was like, you know, there's, I don't know. I just didn't. I wasn't feeling inspired to play. I think it's because after I come back from that trip, it's like I'm you're walking, you're outside, you're you're kind of in nature. I'm with a bunch of buddies and we're hanging out. And when I get back home, it's like, eh, I don't know. Riding in a golf cart, playing golf. It just it just wasn't appealing. I'm getting back into it now. But uh and then as you know, I started surfing. Oh yeah. Ali yeah. is the uh He's the founding member of the Sunday Morning Surf Club. <laughs> and as he likes to say, our tagline is, it's not about the surfing, it's about community. Yeah. It's uh, not about the waves, we're, right? because we're horrible surfers. <laughs> yeah, if it were about the surfing, then it would, there wouldn't be much to it. Um, no, it sounds corny, but I really, I, I started kind of getting my my fix. And by the way, I hate to do this in, in front of everybody, yeah. but uh, you see how hot you're getting there on the, on the mic? See, oh, we were doing warm up. You were kind of like, I I'm this, too like, loud. Very, you don't have to, you don't have to throw it out there. We, we said it to you. We come to you. I'm getting excited. There you go. <laughs> He's getting excited to be on 10,000 notes. I'm getting excited. <laughs> there you go. See that? Yeah. Okay. That. What am I looking at? What should I be looking at? See these at? little waveforms here? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's you speaking up there and that's me speaking down there. What do I want to keep it at? Yeah. We're just like how you're speaking. That's okay. how we set it up. Okay. I'll shut up. I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. That's great. Go with the, uh, where you're going anyway, to the Anyway, where was club. I? The surf club. Oh, well, I could go on and on about Surf Club, but uh, tell, well, tell me, uh, tell tell us about uh, Surf. You know what? Let, let's go in and keep. Look, this is everybody who's listening here. This is a this is what we would call a very special episode of Ten Thousand Notes because we might not accomplish a ton except yeah. a little bit of banter, yeah. but hopefully we're going to you know strike on some deep chords for you. I've had a lot of nose. <laughs> He's had a lot of nose. Uh, why don't we Why don't we bring it back to? You are a teaching golf pro now in Los Angeles. Correct. Uh, but you were playing professionally for a while. Um, right. And prior to that, can you just tell us about, you know, your athletic career kind of as a, as a kid and in high school in D.C. and all of that? All right. I don't. Can I call you out on something on the. The nickname, or you, no? can, you can if you want. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't sure. I call Ali Gpoy, and that's because he was uh, the uh, Gatorade Player of the Year when he was a senior in high school. Yeah, uh, played in Washington D.C. at uh, Sidwell Friends. Murray. Oh, Murray. Oh, sorry. School. You played against. Oh, yeah. Johnny B was Sidwell Friends. That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, a, a great athlete, and that translated to Northwestern. Right. And tell us about the chance that, you know, going from high school, just talk to us a little bit about that. And then the decision to go into golf. Right. So, um, the, the dirty little secret about the, the Gatorade player of the year is that every state has its own Gatorade player of the year. And in the, uh, quote unquote state of Washington, DC, 
there's probably 300 baseball players. <laughs> Whereas in the state of California, there's tens of thousands. Yeah. So, you know, it's a great achievement, I guess, but it doesn't really mean what it sounds like it means. Well, yeah, you could have been. Uh, yeah. You know, you're also, you might be being humble or maybe you're, you know, telling it like it is. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a combo. Cause yeah. uh, any, anytime you're the player of the year in any facet, I think, you know, you're pretty damn good. And I would imagine there's some, how's the baseball level in, uh, in DC? Well, not very high. But whatever, I will be humble about it. The, the The worst thing that comes with that award is when my is when my I've told you this story at the at the uh, the barbecue that uh, the first day that I got to college we had the team barbecue and the and the coach introduces me as Ollie Dunn and and he says now tell everyone what you were <laughs> you know and I'm 18 and there's a bunch of you know 22 year old seniors in the room looking at me and. Uh, you know, I'm like, what? Tell everyone what you were. And then I have to stand up and tell everyone I was Gatorade Player of the Year. And knowing that I was just going to receive endless amounts of shit for it for the rest of my baseball career, which I did. Which you did. Which yeah. I did. Yeah. hundred percent for the next four years, for that first year, especially. Oh, Gatorade Player of the Year. You know? <laughs> yeah. As I rode the bench. I mean, what a, what that coach, man. He was like, yeah, he was a piece of work. Yeah, he had it out for you. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I played four years of college baseball and um, at Northwestern. At Northwestern, somehow I got in. Um, now you're a good student, right? No, I mean I was okay. I was okay. Um, it was a, 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 you know, I got in. Whatever. You're an English major, yeah. Uh, communications. Huh. Yeah. I did a couple different majors. I was a, not a good student He's in college. He's about 6'4", blonde, right? No, 5'10", <laughs> yeah, brunette. Yep, that's our guy. I, I was not a good student in college. Um, but I was a pretty good baseball player. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I enjoyed that part of it. But, you know, I, I kind of look back on those years with a little bit of regret. I'm sure like everyone does. Like, I would kill to take some of the classes that I took in college right now. I think I would yeah. be very interested in it. But, I, you know, I wasn't, I would say I wasn't particularly ready for the academic part which I don't think I'm alone in saying that. I think there's a lot of people who, who, who feel that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I was talking to my aunt the other day. She's got two young kids or, well, they're not young anymore, but this was probably like five years ago. I was like, everybody needs a year off. Everybody yeah. needs a year, year off after high Europe, school. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You would appreciate your education so much more. Um, so anyway, I played four years baseball, didn't get drafted. Um, didn't really know what, you know, what was coming next. And uh, started started working at golf courses, started working uh, at golf tournaments um, and just, you know, started playing again, you know, growing up in D.C. It's, it's not the hotbed of golf. So I kind of thought I was pretty good and I thought I could compete and uh, moved to Los Angeles when I was like 25 or 26. My brother moved was living out here, uh-huh. moved out here for the winter and uh, decided to kind of to give it a go. And uh, 12 years later, I decided to stop. <laughs> but it was- What a- did you learn? What were some of the things? Because I had someone um, that I interviewed uh, a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago, um, who played professional basketball in Europe. And he talked a lot about how pro ball is not- what it's cracked up to be. It's not what you think it would be. And I know as an actor, I'll say that that it's 
intermittently, sometimes it's really cool. And a lot of times it's just, it's a grind, you know. And what did you find with golf? You were playing not on the PGA Tour, but you were playing in, was it national tours? Did you do a tour in Canada? You did, or, you, the, the highest I ever got was uh, in, playing to uh, the Canadian Tour, which is now called the PGA Tour Canada. Okay. Uh, you know, it's like double A baseball yeah. level uh, golf. And so um, would you find that, like, what were some of the takeaways from that whole experience in terms of, you know, the experience? Was it, was it a good experience? Was it, was it, did you have a lot of great memories or was it a real grind? It was a, you know? it was a, <laughs> it was a pride swallowing, up and gone, <laughs> pride swallowing siege. No, it was, it was, it was rough. It was, um, I, I learned a ton about myself. Yeah. You know, I, I learned a lot about, you know, what it takes to, to achieve. It's, it's a weird thing because I've, I failed in, in meeting my goal of, of playing on the PGA tour. Right. But I also feel like I achieved so much, you know, from where I came from, it's all relative, right? I didn't, it's not like I came out of college and was an all American who had any expectations at all. Um, I kind of took myself from a player that could could barely uh, compete, you know, on a local mini tour. Did you play growing up though, like as a as a young kid? I didn't really. I, I played my first tournament when I was twenty three. Wow! But what about yeah. uh, recreationally? Did you play? Started when I was like fourteen. Wow! Played so that's with my dad. Really, really late. In yeah. A way, I would imagine. Totally. Totally. Um, and it was always late. Like I was always late. You know. Yeah. By the time I started really becoming competitive in golf, I was like 33. Wow. Right. I had a child. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy, you know, yeah. you know, and uh, so, you know, back to what I was saying, though, I, I, you know, I felt like I achieved so much from from where I was coming from, right, from from where I was, from where I started to where I finished, you know. But there were still, you know, many even given that that's kind of looking at it in the in the big picture. In the micro sense, there was just, you know, for every for every great day, there was you know five really really hard ones. You know, I have some some tournament stories that would really you know. Well, you had a great you know one of the things that I don't, I don't know how early on it was in in my meeting you. I think I'd known you for a little bit, but you had written a essentially a short story about one of the experiences you had maybe even on the Canada tour. Yeah, I think it was for, it was for Canadian tour uh, qualifying school, which is oh, the, was, the tournament that you get into. Yeah. It was, and it was an incredible story. It was really, um, it was really inspiring and gritty and kind of, um, your writing was, was excellent. And, and it came from real experience. I remember thinking, God, this is, you know, this is a great short story. And we've talked about you writing and, um, that's what I always think of your strength to me. And I look at you now that you're teaching and it seems like, so Ali just made the the transition to teaching, to being a teaching pro here in Los Angeles. What was that? Three years ago. Now. Three years yeah. ago at, at one club originally that was further out. And then now at Mountain yeah. Gate, um, and and from my perspective, your personality really lends itself to being a teacher or, 
you know, using golf as a, a backdrop to kind of have lesson life lessons, yeah. you know, that yeah. you, your mind just works in that way that you're good at, at, I think seeing, um, relationships between different things. And then I would imagine a, a golf lesson with you is, it feels like, uh, like life coaching that just happens to be on a, on a golf Yeah. Course. Well, I, I, you know, I'm not afraid to, uh, I'm definitely not afraid to be self-deprecating. Right. So I, but, but I know from experience that so much of what happens on the golf course, even if you're a beginner or, or if you're trying to, you know, make it on tour or playing college, so much of what happens is, is not about the golf swing. It's about, you know, controlling your emotions and the mental side. And, and even if you're, even if you're just starting out, like, you know, there, there are things that happen in your brain that can affect the way you play. And it's, Nobody knows that more than me because I've been through it all yeah. when it comes to that stuff. Um, you know, I think one of the, not to, not to jump ahead or anything, but I had this moment basically when I decided to quit golf and I was playing in a local tournament in like Temecula, I think, which is an hour and a half away. And, you know, my wife works, as you know, and I believe on this particular day, she worked the two days leading up to the golf tournament. And so I was on daddy daycare and, you know, I spent two days with, uh, with both my kids and, you know, making lunches and cleaning diapers and walking the dog and anyone who's spent a day with their kids knows how exhausting that is. Right. And maybe it doesn't look exhausting, but, but it, it was fucking exhausting, yeah. especially with my youngest son, who's a eh, particularly challenging, uh, <laughs> anyone who's uh, been in contact with him would know that. <laughs> so anyway, you know, two days of that, uh, not touching a golf club either, mm -hmm. because, you know, back when I was playing, I didn't really have any money. You know, it was, uh, it was the, it was the weirdest thing as you're aware of, you know, we lived in this great place that we were fortunate to live in, but you know, there wasn't any money. So I wasn't even like, Oh, I'm not going to get a babysitter to go practice, you know, whatever. And then I remember in this one specific tournament, two days exhausted. And then Marlon, my youngest son up all night, just all night. I get in the car at 5am, no sleep, drive to the golf course, play in the golf tournament, play. Okay. And the guys I'm playing with are like 24, you know, I'm like, and I'm, I start asking them like, what was your, what was your day like yesterday? You know? And yeah. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell them what mine was. I just want to know, yeah. you know, oh yeah, I woke up, worked out, practiced, played a practice round, you know, went back to the gym, da da da, da. And I'm just thinking, what am I, what am I, what am I doing? What am yeah. I doing here? This is so, it's, not sustainable. it's so it's unsustainable not, at yeah. this point. Um, but you know, what, what happens in that situation is the, the thoughts that went, that go through my head during a tournament round you know, to kind of circle back about like what I've been through. Like I know what it feels like to have doubt and fear yeah. and anger and elation and all at the same time. And, you know, so I, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot to. And do you find that the people that are coming in um, to the, the people that are coming in that you're teaching, they're only playing recreationally, but do you find that still they put so much emphasis on their golf game that, all of this stuff ends up hanging them up. Oh, of and course. Even yeah, though it should, course. you're like, hey, you're not. Even, you're just playing for fun. Yeah. Just go play. But they yeah. they put so much pressure on themselves that that they then get in their own way. Of course, and for them, it's ridiculous. They never even practice, but they still feel like they should play well. So it's 
it's I'm always trying to reframe like, okay, what do you want out of, what do you want out of golf? Yeah. What do you want to get out of golf? Do you want to have fun? Do you want to shoot lower scores? You know? Yeah. I want to shoot lower scores. Well, you're not practicing. Right. You know, you know, the, and then, and then I have people who, who are serious about it. You know, I've got kids who are serious about it and I'm a kid who got, just got into college. And to be honest, you know, he, he's been playing great. Most of the stuff that we've worked on is just how he, just mental stuff, mental stuff, just yeah. how he thinks, how he approaches the game. And, and so is that one of your, the joys of golf is that it's not really about the golf, but it's more about outlook and it's more about how can you take this and apply this to your life and learn from it? Or do you just, uh, it's, a, also it, it's everything. The- I mean, there's definitely, I mean, the, 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 I definitely do spend most of my time working on people's swing and their, yeah. and their stroke, but I try to mix that other stuff in as mu- as much as I can, because I don't, I don't think people really think about that that much. They're unaware they're unaware that, you know, their uh, conversation with their boss that morning is actually is affecting, affecting the, the way that they're playing golf or, or just affecting their enjoyment, you know, or, you know, I call it, it's, it's affecting their process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're out there trying to hit good golf shots and in the back of their head, they're thinking about, you know, work or their kids or something. Well, it's so funny. Which is it's, reasonable. It's, and it's completely applicable to actors, anybody who, who's listening or, or really, really anyone who particularly is in a, a performance-related field. Uh, and that could be anybody from, you know, someone whose income depends, you know, if you're in sales, your income depends on your performance. If you don't sell, you don't make as much money. If you sell, you, you know, it, all of these fields, I would imagine, would benefit from this kind of mental and psychological clarity so that you can you know, clear the cobwebs out and just focus on the task at hand. I know it's like that for me with yeah. auditions, you yeah. know, if I can clear my head and I can get in a good, a good headspace, I can usually, it doesn't always re- result. I don't always get the job, but I'll give a, a better audition and therefore yeah. have a better shot at getting the job yeah. at least. And, you know? and feel better about what you just I feel did. better. Cause that's all yeah. you, I mean, I would imagine, you know, that's what's, I am a horrific golfer. Um, I still have my clubs there. They've been like basically in storage for yeah. over a decade. You're just too tall. Some people are just too tall to play golf. You think that's what it is? No, no. no. <laughs> I think, but, but you know, I, I keep the clubs cause at some point I'm like, maybe I'll, you know, I'll want to do it. But, but, um, what I, so I did not have a lot of success with it, but what I like about it is it, it really does seem to be maybe the the best metaphor for life out of out of all sports i mean it's like oh, yeah. you, you can you can hit it it feels great but it but it goes you know it it's a terrible bounce and it goes yeah. in the woods or it goes out of bounds or whatever or you can you know have not so such a good shot and somehow it ends up on the green and yeah. which is a little bit you know life can be that way yeah um so i i find it interesting in that way um and then i also noticed on on instagram you're constantly I feel like you've got your students, clients, students, I don't know, students, I guess. Um, You've got like uh, those sticks on them and tell us a little bit about that. What, you know, it seems like you have some innovative approaches. I don't know where you got them or do you come up with them yourself or what? Sometimes I come up with them right in the moment. Really? Yeah. 
To explain one of them, like isn't there one with like straws or sticks or it's, something? It's all they're all. It's, I don't know how interesting this is, but it's they're you know they're called alignment sticks. They're like three foot little rods that are really skinny, and they're used to just most people just put them down on their on the ground to, to make sure they're aiming where they want to aim. But I just use them a lot to to try to you know guide people's swing in a certain direction. So if someone swings, I don't want to get too technical, but too far out to the right, I'll just put a stick in front of them on the angle of the swing and be like, you got to miss this stick on the left. Right. It's it's called a constraint-based like learning and system. Do you find it's like that miss, people... the, miss the stick. Because when you just tell them, it's like, you got to do this more. They're like, I, I can't feel it, right? And then they try to miss the stick and usually they hit like 15 horrible shots in a row. Yeah. And then they start to kind of find feel like what, what it feels like to swing on the proper path. And then I almost try to work backwards from that. So now that you're missing it, what do you feel like you're doing differently? You know? Yeah. I, <laughs> and do you I, find I ask it, a lot of questions. Does it, well, that's great. Do, yeah. Does it, does it, uh, have you found it to be effective or do some people respond to it and some people hate it? That's a great question. Some people respond to it and some people say, get this fucking stick out of my way. <laughs> like I can't, I can't swing the club with a stick here, which is fine. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's really interesting to find out how, how different people operate. Yeah. You know, I was someone who um I'm not very analytical in my life, but in golf I found myself to be extremely analytical. Right? So I I found that stuff to be really helpful. Yeah. Well, if I'm swinging too far this way, then I must have to put something down here and it'll help me swing too far that way. You know, like very um I guess it's pretty basic really. But would you do those alignment sticks? For yourself yeah, when absolutely. you were playing, yeah, you did. Definitely. And you found success yeah, for yeah, yourself. Yeah, it helped me a lot. Mm. It reminds me of the book that you and I spoke about. I think you read it also, The Inner Game of Tennis, which yeah. I'm not a tennis player, but another actor gave that book to me because he was talking about the mental game behind it and relating it to acting. And, and I loved it. And one of the things I loved is that he said a lot of teachers talk too much and say, you know, tighten your grip, do this, lower your shoulder. And every person's interpretation of those instructions is different. What does that mean? Tighten the grip. What yeah. does that mean? Lower the shoulder. Yep. So what he would have them do was just, he'd say swing and he'd put them in front of a window with a reflection. And then he'd say, what do you see? Yep. And then they would put it in their terms yep. and say, well, my shoulder's kind of down. They go, okay, where's the ball going? And then they would work at it that way so that the the student was actually coming up with the solution and they didn't feel like they were trying to uh, meet their coach's expectation. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed to, it seemed to empower them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I read that book and this is, you know, that's definitely one of the reasons that I kind of teach this way. You know, I use a lot of video, obviously there, there's so much in golf technology now and, and I pretty much only use video. Um, I would like to start using more of the other stuff, which, you know, we don't need to get into, but I'll just show people their swing. So what do you what do you see? And are uh, they horrified or they're they... horrified? Every one, every single one of them. Oh my god, that was that shot I just hit. That was that swing. Yep. Really? You know. And then inevitably they say stuff. Oh god, I hate the way I stand. I hate the way I look. I hate the way this looks. I hate the way that looks. And even people who don't know anything about golf can kind of look at it and be like, "That doesn't look that right. Doesn't look right. That ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't right." You know. Interestingly enough, to that point, you know, not to jump, but but when Curry, my wife, used to caddy for me. 
She used to caddy yeah, for Yeah, before we had kids. And I always, play, always played the best when she was around. Always. Really? Yeah. And the, and the reason I, the reason that I think that is because we'd be we'd be just talking about completely uh, other stuff, nothing related to golf at all. Right. Wait, would she caddy for you on like tournaments that that meant something? Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you serious? Yeah. She I would never, carry the I've bag. Not ever heard this? She would carry the bag, <laughs> and she knew nothing about golf. And if you ask her what her favorite hole is, it's always the 18th hole, the favorite <laughs> hole because it's the last one. I, she enjoyed it, but she was like, "Man, this is so boring," and like. Oh my god! Work. So I, we'd spend time talking about other people. She would count, you know. She would she would jot down in one instance how many cigarettes this guy was smoking. You know, I'd come over to her and she'd be like, "He's had 11. <laughs> <laughs> and she knows nothing about golf. Um, so that was really interesting to me. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I always encourage people to kind of get away from golf in between shots. You've got hmm. like, you know, if you're a hacker, you hit a hundred shots in five hours. It's a lot of downtime. Yeah. You know, but back to the original point, I would go after, after the round was over, I'd go hit balls. And every once in a while, I'd just be like, Curry, what do you, what do you see? You know, yeah. like, what do you, what do you think about my swing? She'd be like, oh, it's like, ugh, you're swinging way too fast. Like your tempo sucks. And I'd be like, <laughs> and okay. she would know that just being Just looking, you know, or she'd be like, why is your butt? Like, why are you sticking it out? You know, yeah. little things like that. And it's. Pretty interesting, but it's yeah. pretty helpful. So that's so I do a lot of that stuff. I, I ask people what they think. What do you think about your swing? You know, and uh, I think looking in mirrors is like fan, fantastic way to to kind of self coach yourself. Yeah, and, and it's got because it's because like you said, it's got to come from them. It's got to come from them. Yeah, I always end my lesson, not always, but a lot end my lesson saying, "Listen, I've talked a lot today in my own words. You've got to go practice and turn it into your own words." Cause like this, this not going to work with you. I can't feel what you feel. I cannot get in your body. Yeah. 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 It's uh now, so let me, you know, take this over to another realm of your life because we know each other through our kids. Um, how do you see the correlation between, co- you know, being a, a golf pro and, and coaching people in golf to parenting? Very similar. Yeah, it's an up at dawn pride <laughs> swallowing. <laughs> Siege. It. Uh, yeah. No. I. It's. It's. It is similar. Like oftentimes I say because I. I do teach quite a few kids. I'm like, man, I spend a lot of time with ten year old kids. Yeah. You know. So I feel like I know them pretty well. Do you feel like they listen to you more than your own kids, or is there any difference? I mean, in general, my rule of thumb with um, you know, with other dads on on Donovan's basketball team is like you know your kid will listen to me yeah my kid will listen to yeah. you but yeah. you know my kid's not yeah. really listening to me yeah yeah you know? do you find that that with the when a, a kid is taking a golf lesson from you um first of all do they even realize like their parent is paying for a golf is that all lost on them they're just there or do they feel does it seem like they, they have no idea there? no idea they have no idea and every once in a while when they're really misbehaving you know, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I'll be like, Hey, someone's spending a lot of money for you to be here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'll even go further. Like you're in a time slot that I, that I kind of value a lot. Like if you don't want to be here, just let me know. Why will kids just, they just, uh, it's, it's a definite mix, you know, it's like yeah. anything, but there are kids who don't want to be there. Yeah. You know, you know, definitely some kids will show up and they don't really want to be there. Yeah. You know, 
And I and I I definitely take that on as part of my job is to make them want to be there. Yeah. Right. So it's a, a you know a lot of a lot of teaching kids golf is is making it fun. Right. Which is you know there's a lot of yin and yang going on there. Like I want I want them to get value out of it. Right. Right. So I want the kids to improve at golf. But again, like some kids are very adept at like actually making swing changes. Like I teach them like nine and 10 year olds who are able to understand the language and, and make some changes and they're very really? serious about it. And then I teach them who enjoy it a lot, but they just want to swing hard. Yeah. They just want to make putts. So I, you know, it's, it's, a, and I can respect that too. That's fine. Like my job is to make them want to, you know, love golf and enjoy it. Yeah. You know, which is great. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, it's, uh, you know, kind of brings us to a slightly different subject, which is the the, the craze of sports for youth these days mm. compared to when we were growing up. Uh, I know you played every sport. I played a bunch of sports. You know, it's like we you played in your season and then that was kind of it. And then you would do like, uh, you know, a travel team or an all star team that would extend the season. I remember in baseball and basketball kind of doing that when I was younger, but it wasn't it was definitely a lot different than it is now. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on that? I mean, now it seems like they're having kids specialize in a sport when they're eight years old, Yeah. you know, deciding uh, basketball, you got to do club now. You got to yeah. do I mean, What are your thoughts on, on that? I don't know how to do it. You know, I, I don't know how to do it. My, my instinct, and I think this will always be my instinct is that you need to play multiple sports or not even sports. You need multiple activities, you know? And, but it's really hard because you don't want your, you don't want your kid to get passed by, Mm. you know? And I don't mean that in the sense of like, you don't want him to be as good as everyone else. Cause I could care less if my kids are good. Right. And, and, and part of the reason for that is that I've, (laughs) I've been through it all. And like, I don't want them to, I don't want them. Like, I don't, I'd like them to have a different life than I did. Yeah. You know, not to get too dark, but like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> we told you we were going to bring yeah, you laughs yeah. today, but no, bring you dark. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't particularly want them to go through what I went through, yeah. you know, the struggle that I, that I've, that I've been through, not to, not to be dramatic yeah. about no, it. No, no, no. I'm I, here, but I have it's, a brother who, I mean, I have a brother. I have a, I have a friend whose brother was a, um, an all-star major league all-star. And I asked him a little bit about how that was. And he's, I said, how is he with his kids? Does he, you know, are they playing sports? And he's like, Nope. He's like keeping them out of it because he sees it for the business that it is. And this is a guy who's, you know, world series rings and everything. Yeah. And, and he kind of, I think saw the other side of, of professional sports, you know, on the highest level and just, so it's, it's yeah. you know, it's not surprising yeah. to hear you say that because you did so well throughout your life yeah. that maybe you're like, man, it's not necessarily all it's cracked yeah. up to be. So when I say get passed up, I don't, it's not a talent thing. It's more like, can he play high school baseball without playing, you know, club baseball for four years before that and committing to a full year of baseball, you know, all year round baseball. Right. Like, is it, is it possible? And like that's the scary thing, you know. I would love for him to be for him to be able to play high school baseball if he wants to play high school baseball. Yeah, you know, I, I would hate for him to have to play baseball all year round to do that, and he would hate to do that. And I'm saying he because Sammy is the only one who's playing currently. But I'm you know the same thing for for uh, for my youngest son. Um, I think it's completely out of control. 
yeah. like completely out of control. Um, and I think money drives a lot of it, which is, which is kind of sad to me. Yeah. These club teams, you know, the fees are, are, out of, are crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's 1500 bucks for, for a couple months and more if you're going to play tournaments and it's, yeah. you know, the schedules are all over the place. You got to drive an hour North and hour South and it's a lot on a family. Right. What's interesting is I spoke to, um, one of my high school buddies that I, he, he played lacrosse at UNH and I used to play against him when I was at BC and it's his buddy that he played with. So I got to know him relatively well, uh, is actually in, I think in, in the DC area and he's been coaching high school lacrosse. And I said, wow, these kids must be amazing these days. You know, they, they just, it's just, the sport has grown so much. And he's like, yeah, he's like, they are. It's a little bit of showboat lacrosse because yeah. he said, he said they're all playing on club teams with different kids all the time. He's like, there's not as much of a sense of team. Right. And it's a lot of it is like kids are putting together highlight reels for college when they're in eighth grade. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, in eighth grade, yeah. they're, they're already jockeying for position for colleges, which Sounds nuts to me, but I guess that's kind of, you know, where it is right now. And, and his opinion, you know, he's, he's there doing it was that it's actually not necessarily benefiting the game or maybe their individual stick skills and all that are better, but it's not, it's, they're not getting taught in the same way. I don't know. It's a, it's very interesting topic, you know, to me. Well, there's a, it was Time Magazine just had a huge article about it, you know? How did your kids' rec league turn into a billion-dollar industry? And it's like, man, it's, it makes you think, you know. Yeah. When I was, when I was, I mean, you played college lacrosse, and you know, I played college baseball. So I would say, when I was a junior in high school, I started making those tapes. And when I was the fall of my senior year, I played on like four different travel teams, and it was it was a little nuts. You did, but yeah. I was trying to get to college, you know. Yeah. And and I spent every weekend all day Saturday, all day Sunday playing on this, you know, really like high level fall ball team. We played against community colleges and stuff and it was, it was great. Like it was, and did it translate? Into yeah, I got, that's why I got into school. Like if I had not and played on that full team, ride? you were a full ride. No, I was a partial scholarship. Baseball yeah. only has 11 scholarships for 25, okay. 25 players. Um, yeah. So, but that's different. Like I was, you know, you're trying to get in college. It's fine. But you know, I, I hear of, of, you know, 10 year olds now, playing baseball all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Yeah. And their poor parents have to wake up at 6 a.m. and drive them to, yeah. you know, wherever I mean, it's good. Look, it it's, 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 a tough, it's a tough call because you, I like the discipline and the team aspect that sports yeah. give you. But then, you know, is there such a thing as taking it too far and would they benefit from doing that for a couple of hours and then doing some other yeah. things? You know, yeah. I don't know. Um, it seems... To me also, it just seems like in general, our kids don't have a lot of just free time that's yeah. not scheduled, yeah. you know, and maybe that's just us living where we live. But um, I know growing up for me, it was like there was so much time where you're playing, you know, you're playing manhunt or yeah. capture the flag yeah. or you're doing other stuff. And then you're playing pickup basketball, you're playing, yeah. you know, football on the lawn or whatever. But it was it, it seemed like there was a lot like a lot less structured time yeah and even i don't know even our our i was talking to someone about this recently when we were when i was in fourth fifth sixth seventh grade i think you had practice maybe two times a week maybe maybe and your game on yeah. saturday yeah 
Yeah. It wasn't, you know, just a different world, I guess. Um, and we got, uh, we have a little pause here, huh? <laughs> is this a pause for a commercial break? This, <laughs> this commercial is brought to you by Pete's Coffee. No. <laughs> Without it, I would be dead. I was thinking that when you came, I was like, this is kind of sponsored by Pete's Coffee, yeah. I guess. You it's know. kind of sponsored by, we haven't even talked, to, we haven't really talked about Surf Club. Surf Club. All right, let's talk about Surf Club. Let's, uh, or Coffee Club. Which or is, Coffee Club, which is kind which of. Just hanging on by a thin thread. Yeah. A very thin thread, but. Could be for the best. We need to be more productive in the mornings. I Speak am guilty myself. of kind of, uh, you know, removing myself from yeah. coffee club a little yeah. bit to get some stuff done that I yeah. wanted to get done. And uh, yeah, coffee club is basically I, just a, a couple of dads after dropping our kids at school, getting together and and kind of, uh, what, what are we doing there? We are pontificating. We are pontificating. We spend a lot of time talking about what we're going to do with our next careers. <laughs> <laughs> Which don't happen. We spend a lot of times um, talking about how much we love our wives. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of like licking the wounds, right? Just a lot of times about like, man, this is what I'm going through. This is what Yeah, this which is what you're it, going And I through. think it's part of what, you know, uh, we, well, part of my thing of like removing myself a little bit was like, I like a little bit of that. And, yeah. You know, it's good to have your friends that you can open up to. And then there's also a point of like, Okay, gotta yeah. get gotta get stuff done. Uh, yeah. What I love about Surf Club, as we say, what's the uh, what's the other yeah. tagline besides um, Surf Club's not it's about not the, about the waves, it's about the hang, it's the community. But there's also the one which is you know a bad day on the on the water is better than better than a good, a day. good day out yeah. of the water. <laughs> we don't know shit about surfing. That's the funny thing. Yeah, if you're a surfer and you're listening to us, <laughs> you can feel free to make fun of us. We're terrible. I mean, I particularly am awful. But it is nice to get out there and, you know, be in the water. We're lucky enough to live right near the ocean and um, and we bring the kids. Right. So, so that's the that's the big that's the big draw of of Sunday Surf, Surf Club sponsored by 10,000 Nose and Ollie Dunn Golf. <laughs> um, it's we started doing this, I don't know, a year ago, yeah. maybe two years. Yeah. You know, anywhere between three and seven dads will come out and our sons are all or daughters kind of enjoy being in the ocean and, and we go out and the dads go out on the outside and try to catch waves and the, and the, and the kids kind of hang out on the inside boogie boarding or some of them some venture of them into surfing. the deep waters and surf. They're, you know, they're getting older now. And it's, um, I mean, it's, <laughs> my wife doesn't share the sentiment, <laughs> but for me, it's like an emotional experience. You know, it's, it's amazing. Like you're out on the water at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning and your kids are like frolicking in the ocean. Yeah. And, you know, I think we can all speak to how hard it is to actually get the kids to leave the house. You know, they never want to do it. Yeah. They always want to stay on their house is is always a battle. And then getting them out of the water at the end is another battle because they love it so much. They enjoy it so much and they're outside and they're. Forgot it's Monday. Monday. Gardeners, here they come. Man, oh man, they're really coming close here. Uh, <laughs> James Ede, I've mentioned often, our sound guy is going to have to remove this, but you're definitely going to yeah. hear some gardening. This is uh, some of the warts that uh, go yeah. behind 10,000 notes. It's, uh, as we say, a labor of love. It is, it's a passion project. Studio. Uh, you're going to hear a little weed whacker at about uh, 41 minutes yeah. into the interview. 
But um, um, it's 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 amazing. You're out there. You know, the water is beautiful. The waves are good or the waves are terrible. Every one of us has our own little crappy style of surfing that we all have kind of patented and and even even. The even dump even Maddie Maddie one time said I did the uh, the Wilson Webb double stroke the Dunzini down the line and the Del Negro dump off Del Negro dismount the yeah, Del Negro I tend dismount to, right uh, flip off my board and yeah. you know almost break my neck every time but. I don't know if this is interesting but it's but it's great for us yeah. and it's and it's 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 a really it's a special it's a special thing you know for me it's about like getting the kids out in the water yeah and. Which is another thing, which is, you know, we do kind of sound like old men now because we're talking about, you know, the sports has changed. And now we're talking about with, you know, electronics, you get kids on iPads, you get kids on, you know, uh, uh, Xbox and whatever it is. And the beauty of this surf club, as much as we're making fun of ourselves for it, it really is that you're you're out there. It's just. You know, the kids are playing with each other, you know, as, as a, a dad, you're you're going in, you're sometimes you're out there surfing with your buddies and then you go in and hang with your son, your daughter. They're they're just, you know, in the shallow water usually and then we'll pull them out. But there's no distraction. It's beautiful outside. It's it's nature. And um, it kind of uh, a guy I was skiing with last year was saying his philosophy on skiing. They're saying, God, it's expensive. Um, but it's a great, if, if yeah. you can somehow swing it, it's, it's a great family sport. It's something you can do for the rest of your lives. And you're out there forced into nature, exercising, yeah. hanging with your kid on a, on a chairlift where you're, you're talking and you're connecting and it's, you know, uh, no distractions. No distractions. <laughs> Just <laughs> Just like the weed whacker that's happening yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, I apologize if you guys are hearing this. A lot of times I'll make reference to the uh, sound issues and then they're cleaned up by the time you hear it. Right. But uh, right now there is uh, there's a gardener right outside the, the yeah. office. That, oh. Uh, oh, there he goes. Radcliffe, away. Radcliffe needs to be taken care of. And uh, so hopefully we're, we're cleaning that sound up by the time you get it. Yeah. Uh, what, el- what else can we... Uh, how, about, how about some of your... Uh, the movie quotes that that end up resurfacing amongst us. Um, well, you've given the the Jerry Maguire, yeah, up at dawn. It is up an at, up at dawn pride swallowing siege, which I will never fully yeah. tell you about. Yeah, that's um, a that's a good one. That kind of applies to everything, right? Yeah, Ollie's yeah. a big. Uh, he, he is not an actor, but I say no. he knows more movie quotes than maybe maybe anybody I know, and he, he dispenses them at. at opportune times yeah i'm not good at being uh called out to dispense them okay, i will not but uh but I, I i do often think there's room to make a movie that's entirely made up of movie quotes <laughs> like it like a movie i have i have one great uh, completely secondary uh, one one great story about our mutual friend dante sharon uh otherwise known as tim yeah. um we were I don't have to go too deep into this, but we have a, he's like my oldest friend and we have a very tumultuous relationship, a lot of fighting, a lot of laughing. And, uh, we went out to breakfast one morning and my mom, we were in, we were in Martha's Vineyard. So my mother was there and, and, uh, we were coming off some sort of, you know, long emotional discussion that had, you know, you know, when you know someone your whole life, it, whatever, it got ugly. Yeah. And we were sitting at breakfast and, and the bill came and Tim like pulls out a 20. He's like, your mom gave this to me on the way out the door to pay for breakfast. And I look at him and I go, you took it. He goes, yeah, I took it. 
And broke a major rule of yeah. engagement. Yeah, and broke a major rule of engagement. You know, and it was Top like- Top rules are unstoppable. Yeah. Safety, and that and my crew, yeah. not flexible. And it, and it just like, just like napalmed the whole thing. And then we were like back to being normal. Yeah. You know, you know, and for a second, he was like about to kind of come back at me. And then it, you know, so it's, it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's, guy, it's these things that are, thing, I think it's, it's definitely thing. a guy thing, but you know, we grew up with these movies and they become part of who we are, like yeah. for better or for worse. You know, we've all seen Top Gun a thousand times. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Watched it the other day with my son, by the way. It didn't quite hold up didn't for him. Hold up. <laughs> That's right. It's yeah. in the memory. Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, we're really uh, yeah. got the whole uh, kit and caboodle going on right here. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a loud episode. Um, well, I wanted to think of what else I wanted to, to have you uh, talk about here that we, that we um, you know, it, it's, it's 10,000 no's mm. and we kind of talked about your, I just want to frame this before we, yeah. before we close out, because, you know, you, you had a very good upbringing. Um, you, you know, it's not like there were, there were any that I'm aware of tragedies early on or anything right, like that. Right. What, so what would you say? You talked about the nose that you got in professional golf in which you put yourself into yeah. that position. What what could you say about adversity and overcoming it, and any lessons that you have for people that are that are listening that have helped you as as a golf coach, um, as a teacher, as a parent? What, yeah, you know, that's interesting. I mean, you're, you're 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 spot on. I didn't have any major kind of you know tragedies happen to me. I, I did. I grew up well off, but everyone is, you know, we all have. The things that are specific to us. Everyone's got their own, their own battles to fight, right? Yeah. So, um, specifically, um, with me, kind of, when I, the baseball thing was a, was a big no, right? It was a big no. I spent, I spent, you know, the better part of like six years, but pretty much with that being my only goal, to be uh, to, in to, the major league, to, to get drafted, to continue to continue the baseball, uh, to continue playing baseball and hopefully, hopefully getting paid for it. Interestingly enough, actually the last moment of my baseball career was, um, my college season ended. I did not get drafted, which was a, a really like, that was probably the first, that was really the first time ever that it was like, shit, this isn't gonna, like, this isn't gonna happen, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I went to try it for an independent baseball team, which is a, a non not affiliated with any major league teams. And uh, there was a lot of people to try out, and I made the team. And the guy handed me the contract and said, "We're going to pay you 500 bucks a month to drive around the Illinois for the summer in the bus." And uh, it was like a it was like a dazed and confused moment, you know. The next weekend was Dillo Day at Northwestern, which was like the only fun day of the year. Bands played and you, you know, yeah. everyone partied. My brother was coming to town. And I was like, when's the first game? He was like, next Saturday. And I was like, you know what? Like, I think I'm like, no thanks. And the guy was like, what are you doing here? Like, like we're, we're offering like five out of 200 people a contract to play on this team. And I was like, I just, I don't want to play baseball anymore. <laughs> You were just done. I was just done. Yeah, it was like not. Was it because it wasn't the level? Yeah, it was not. Playing? It was not going to get me. It was not going to get me anywhere. 
Yeah. And looking back on it, it was like, yeah, I was not, I was not good enough. I was not big enough, strong enough, fast enough. Yeah. Dot dot dot. So that was that was the kind of the but first one. But but it's also interesting. You look at baseball as a big no, and yet, you know how you frame it. Yeah, but your your goal was was such a, an extreme goal that most people with that goal to play in the major leagues just statistically are going to get what you called a no, you know, but yeah. is it a no or yeah. is it ultimately a, you know, a yes with, with well, it, yeah, it looking back you. on it, it was, right? Yeah. But at the time, you know, it when you're 22, yeah. it was like, bam. Um, and then, you know, what I, what I, my biggest takeaway from golf is, um, you know, and you speak about this all the time is like, you've just got to keep knocking on the door, right? You've just got to keep, trying and putting yourself out there and you know in golf and in life you are just going to get kicked in the nuts way more often than you're going to succeed and i think everyone would speak to that yeah you know what i learned from 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 golf most of the time is that i got more yeses in quotes when when i stuck to what i believed in when i stuck to my process when i when i stayed true to myself when i prepared the way that i wanted to um, because there would be so many times where I would go out and play a golf tournament and maybe, maybe try a new frame of mind or, or maybe kind of get sidetracked by a swing tip that someone had given me yeah, and just fail miserably and be like, what, what am I doing here? What, what kind of process am I on? What kind of path am I on here? You know? And, um, it's, uh, you know, you just got to keep, you got to keep trying um, and you got to keep trying to like live the right way. Yeah. You know, and I think there that's true with parenting, right? You've got to keep like reinforcing the same thing that you're reinforcing. You've got to stick to the game plan. Yeah. You know, um, what else? I mean, how many? I mean, I, yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm. I can't help but thinking it right now, and I apologize for making so many references. But yeah. I'm so is it going to ruin frustrated. it? Frustrated. I don't know. I mean, if you're if uh, James seems to clean up the yeah. sound, and I sometimes make these references to it, and then yeah. it's not even in the final. Yeah, I've never thing, heard but it. But right, right now there. So you're if you're listening, we have people mowing lawns, and <laughs> I mean, it's literally <laughs> as though they are blowing right. It's a little. Into it's a little distracting. The sure. microphone, sure. and I'm just so frustrated to be distracted here, and yet. Part of the whole mantra of 10,000 no's is <laughs> First you've, got to, you've got to keep going and you hang on, cling on to what's what's good in this conversation. Yeah. And, you know, I want to go out there and yell at them, but they're just doing their job. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I apologize uh, for this huge, what I consider to be a huge distraction. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the other thing that, that I, I could I could touch on about about the golf thing is it's it's a pure meritocracy. Right. Yeah. You only get what you get by achieving results. You know? So it's not like other parts of life where you can you can get through on your on your um your reputation or you know, if you're if you're a big name actor like you're going to get the role. Right. Da 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 da, you know. You either sink yeah. the pot or you don't. Yeah, you either qualify or you don't. Yeah. You know, so the no there is no questions about it. Yeah. You're not like, oh, I didn't, you know, 
I didn't get this gig because that producer hates me. I didn't get this particular contract because that like lawyer is in cahoots with the other guy. You yeah, know, yeah. I didn't get this. It's like I fucking failed miserably. <laughs> I didn't achieve what I needed to achieve. I didn't play well enough. I didn't prepare well enough. And what it does is it just causes you to just take such a deep, long look at what you're doing. Yeah. You know, how you're going about your business. What am I missing here? You know, I played so well last week. I played so bad this week. What what happened? Right. You know, can I just throw my hands up to the gods and be like, why did you do it to me? You know, why did that putt like fall in on the on the lip or why did it stay out? And it's, it's brutal, you yeah. know, it's brutal. You yeah. know, I failed, I failed at, at Q school, which is the, the qualifying school. I don't know how many times, seven, eight times. Yeah. And each time it's like, Oh man, like back to square one. Yeah. You know, back to the drawing room. I got nothing. And it's, it's, you know, so it's like, you take a, take a couple of weeks, think about, Am I going to do something else? Yeah. What am I going to do differently next year? What's going to happen? And yet I would think that through those, you know, in quotes, failures, that is going to help you as a coach in terms of oh. understanding what someone might be going through and not having to, uh, you know, having compassion for the people that you're teaching and saying, okay, that's fine. Let's get you out of that head and into this head. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can be. Oh, you, I can tell one particular story. I mean, it's kind of what I wrote about the the article that you mentioned, though. And I, it's kind of a no, but it turned out to be a yes. This is kind of what you're getting at. You know, I, I went up to qualify for this tournament in Canada. I shot 81 the first round, which is a god awful score. And that night, I was like, that's it. I'm I'm quitting. You know, Marlon was like. I think four months old at the time, maybe whatever, eight months old. Sammy was five. I was like, what am I doing in Toronto? Like getting my ass kicked by all these younger kids. And, uh, I went out the next day and I was like, I was almost left. I almost withdrew from the tournament. I was so, so deep in the dumps, you know? Yeah. And I went out the next day and I shot 66, which is a great score. 68, which is a great score. And I think 69 the last round. And I missed by one shot. Oh, right. Yeah. And it was like probably those three days, probably the best golf ever played like consecutively in a tournament. Maybe not irrelevant, you know, to the story. And I was like, for those three days, I was just like, God, I can, I can do like, I can do this, you know? And I walked off the course and I was like, I don't care if I made it or if I didn't make it. Like, this is, this is, this is me. This is who I am. This is how I'm going to play golf for the rest of my life. I got in there and they tallied up the scores and I waited around. It was like, oh, no, you missed by one shot. I'm like, you're not going to play on the Canadian tour next year. And I was still like, I don't give a shit if I'm playing the Canadian tour. Like, I can play in California. I can do whatever I want to do. You know, and then I got in the car. <laughs> like, my dad called me, you know, and he was like, you know, he went through the whole thing. I'm so proud of you. Da, 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 da. And I just fucking lost it. Just, just like uncontrollable sobbing, like 35 years old or whatever I was, 33, however old I was. And just like, you know, lost it. And then, you know, a couple months later, I kind of recovered and da, da, da. da and then I got, I, I made it through the next year. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and I never, you know, it was like a huge no that that kind of turned into a yes. Yeah. yeah. By, by, although it was, go on. and then although I it kept me playing golf for three more years, which is, right. eh. no, well, I was going to say the ultimate, um, the ultimate thing is that, you know, what you saw as a big no, I look at your life now compared to a few years ago, and I think what you have going on now teaching locally to me seems like a, a better life in a lot yeah. of ways. And yeah. it's sometimes like the, you know, the universe or the world knows yeah. what you need more than you know it yourself. And, yeah. and in a way, I think your, your life to me now, you're, you're around your kids more, you're around your wife more, you're, you're like, a, I feel like have an impact on the, the golf community here yeah. locally. And I don't know. I think yeah. that it's interesting that, you know, what could be a big no in our minds ends up actually being yeah. the best thing that could happen yeah. to us. It's, Before, I'm no, oh, good. I was, I'm, 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 up, I'm, I'm nobody, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm way happier than I ever was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I guess that's good, right? Yeah. I think it's great. <laughs> I think that's the goal. Um, before, before we go, uh, anywhere where people can follow you, we, we mentioned the big, uh, campaign. They, yeah, uh, Instagram, he, he's a funny, he's a funny dude. We got, we got deep here, but he will make you laugh. Uh, at, OBD one two one two golf, which I call him in normal life. Yeah, I don't, I hey, guess, at OBD one two one two. Yeah, golf. people say that the handles to. Some people think it's old dirty bastard, which it's not. It's just my initials, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, but OBD one two one two golf on Instagram. I don't That's do it, much really, Facebooking. Right? Yeah. yeah, I don't do any Twittering. Well, there it is. Go go follow him, and um, if you are uh, if you're a golfer uh reach out to him you can i guess you can just comment and he could he could uh, get in touch with you if you have questions right is yeah that, yeah is that yeah. possible yeah and if you know if you're looking for lessons and you're here locally uh in los angeles um great teacher great guy thank you for being here oh thank you so much i really enjoyed it Thanks again for listening to 10,000 No's. If you haven't subscribed to us yet, please do. So each week's episode is automatically downloaded to your computer or phone. And if you like what you heard, please help us get the word out by sharing it with your friends and family. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.